Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. Oh, the preacher preached so good. I felt so well what he preached about. I have no idea, but it was so good. Oh, it was so good. What happened? I was swept. I was clean, decorated. Oh, I feel so good. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. But in Matthew, the 12th chapter, Matthew 12... We're going to go right down to it. We jumped off of this verse on last time. We're going to just stick with it. Matthew 12, verse number 43 says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now, there's a lot to say in that. And uh, there's just a lot to say. We're at a spiritual Ryan's tonight or a spiritual Golden Corral, whatever you want to call it, Piccadilly. And there's just so much to eat, just so much to eat. So I pray you got your plate ready to pile it on. Amen. Now, uh, we're going to jump off of that and go back into 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, 2 Corinthians 10. And we're going to feast over here. Now, what Matthew 12 is saying, what the Lord Jesus is saying here, well, he's talking about how the word comes in and cleanses a person's heart, how he cleanses a person's life. This person in Matthew 12 was bound by a demonic spirit. And uh, as we have learned that demonic spirits can enter a life and bind a life through lies, lies, trickery, deceit. The Father tells us also in the book of Ephesians, he says, well, the Lord says that we ought to put on the whole armor of God so that we can withstand the wiles of the devil. Wiles, tricks, deceitfulness. And how does the enemy trick us? With words, with thoughts. Words, thoughts. There, are, there will be no invisible chains that are come out typically. I'm not saying it won't, won't ever happen. You know, anything is possible, but... It's highly doubtful that you'll be bound with invisible chains. Okay? But the tactics of the enemy are to bind you with words, to convince you that his view is right and that uh, God's view is wrong so that you can go in the direction that he wants you to go. Okay? All right. But 2 Corinthians, the, 12th, uh, 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We're going to go further with here, uh, further here. Uh, so, again, Matthew talks about how that person was bound, but the word of God came in. And when the word of God uh, cast by the, by the spirit of God, the, uh, the demons that carried the word and the faults were cast out of the individual. And what happens? The house is swept. It is garnished. That is decorated. It's clean. That's the inside of an individual. But we see that those same spirits 
or thoughts, feelings, words can come again. They can boomerang back around to the same individual and they can go through the same uh, process of death or sin that they were in in the first place. The same process of bondage, but this time it can be a whole lot worse. Now, I want you to, want you to understand something. Let's make, let's make this really applicable because I really want you to, really want you to see this. And I'm going to go extremely slow so that we can all hear and understand. So if you get a bit bored, jump up and slap yourself and sit back down. Okay? See an individual that is bound by the devil, bound by lies, bound by deceits and tricks of the enemy. He comes into the house of God or, or he comes where you are and you give him a word from the Lord. A word that contradicts the thing that he's going through, that he or she is going through. Well, that word enters the heart and it cleanses them from that. Here's an opposing thought, an opposing word, and God's word is always stronger than that of the enemy. Remember the Lord Jesus said, uh, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And that truth is going to do what? It's going to make you free. It's going to set you free, right? Well, the word of God is an opposing thought. It's an opposing word. It's an opposing view. And his word is stronger than that of the enemy. Well, when your friend, let's say your friend, hears the word that God sends through you, and they begin to meditate on that word and really get to know that word, and that word fills their heart, well, that word is strong enough to push out the influence of the enemy, push out those other thoughts, and that person at that point is clean, uh, he's been swept by the word of God and uh, clean swept and the Holy Spirit begins to decorate the person's heart. Next time you see them, they look good. What have you done to yourself? Well, I've just been in the Lord, just soaking in the word, soaking in the word of God. Well, the enemy still has plans for the individual because he's boomeranging, boomeranging back around. And the same thing that bound him before is going to try to bind him again. So if he was bound by alcohol, drugs, or whatever... Uh, whatever the case was, those thoughts, those feelings are going to try to come again into the individual's life. But uh, when those spirits or when those words, thoughts come back around, they should find the house occupied, occupied by the word of God, occupied by God's thoughts, by the mind of Christ. And when the house is occupied, uh, you, you can see uh, even in the natural world, when, when someone is living in the house, the lights are on. You know, you can see some activity. Well, the Bible declares that the, at the entrance of God's word, it gives light. So they, there's light. David said, thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The Bible says in First uh, John that uh, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So there is light in the house. So when, the, when those thoughts, and uh, remember, the, a spirit will bring with it thoughts and words to try to convince you to go in the opposite direction. But when, there, but when there's activity inside of your heart, that is inside of your mind, God's word is there and you know what he said and you've been meditating on that word. Well, when those thoughts, when the evil thoughts come back again, uh, you'll know it for what it is and you'll turn it out. You won't even be able to get in because your house is occupied. 
But if we refuse to meditate on the word of God, if we just get cleansed, oh, I felt so good being in church that day. Oh, the preacher preached so good. I felt so well when he preached about it. I have no idea, but it was so good. Oh, it was so good. What happened? I was swept. I was clean, decorated. Oh, I feel so good. But when you walk up the door, the enemy is cast out. And what he's doing, he's coming right back around, boomerang right back around. But we have nothing in us. We don't have the word of God in us to sustain us. There's no light on. What happens? The same, same thoughts come right back again and infiltrate our heart and put us right back in bondage. So this is when people say, well, I was saved, but it didn't take. It didn't take. I gave my life to the Lord and it worked for a little while, but then it stopped. You didn't let the word of God penetrate your heart. That's why the Bible clears in the book of James, receive with meekness the engrafted word. James first chapter. We may get that tonight. But it said, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. It's the word of God that, is, that we meditate on. The word of God that we allow to have place and free course in us that will push out these opposing thoughts and views. Are you with me? All right. So let's look again at 2 Corinthians the 10th chapter, we're going to get a very good, very, very, very good understanding. And hopefully we get to the book of James. It's, such, it, it, it's packed too. I'm telling you, it is packed. All right, we started on this on Sunday, so maybe we won't have to go through all of it uh, for more just here, uh, part one. Second uh, Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Let's look at verses 3 through 6. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Now, here's some words that I want you to, uh, to underline. I want you to underline or highlight or make special note of, in verse number four, the word strongholds. We're going to look at that. In verse five, let me read all verse five. It says, casting down uh, imaginations. Make a note or highlight or underline the word imaginations. And every high thing, underline or make special note of the phrase and the phrase every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Also an important phrase. And bringing into captivity every thought, underline the word thought, to the obedience of Christ. Now that is a whole mouthful we're going to Lord, help us. Maybe one day we get to the book of James because that's powerful too. But let's deal with verse 5 for a moment. Verse 4 and 5. We're going to get a very good understanding. Now, notice what it says in verse number 3. We don't war after the flesh. And this is talking about uh, sinful tendencies or desires of the heart. Uh, Desires to do what is wrong. I call it insanity. When we know that this will kill us, but we pick it up anyway. I call it insanity, right? Temporary insanity. Uh, but the notice of the word says, we, though we walk in the flesh, or that is, though we're in the flesh, we live in our bodies, we don't war after it. That is, uh, we don't take the approach of attacking the flesh uh, with our mind or with our soul. That is, you, you say, I, I don't want to do this or that again. I, I don't want to pick up the drug. I don't want to pick up the alcohol. I don't want don't, don't to pick up, uh, you know, what, whatever, whatever your flavor is. I, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. 
Now, you can attack it directly and say, I'm not going to do it. Mm, I'm not. I'm not. Mm, no, no, no. I'm going to resist. I'm going to resist. No, no, no. That is what you're doing. You're warring. You're fighting flesh with flesh. That's what you're doing. You're fighting. But the Lord said that we do not war after the flesh. Don't war after or don't try to defeat uh, these carnal desires by your flesh or with your flesh or with your own soulish nature or with your willpower alone. It's not going to work. Okay. Sometime you'll have good days. Other days you'll have very bad days. You will not have constant victory in it. Verse four says, but this is what we do and understand. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That is, don't fight with your human soul. Don't fight with your willpower against the devil, against these fleshly or, or sensuous desires. Don't do that. But this is what you fight them with. Uh, it says, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? The word stronghold in the Greek, it means a castle. It means a, a stronghold. It means a fortress or a, um, a, a fastened place. It means also anything on which one relies. Now, we want to look at that and really make it applicable to you. Anything on which one relies is a stronghold, something you rely on, something probably you've relied on all your life. This is a view. This is an opinion. This is a thought. This is how you know it to be. And you've been doing this for years and you've been depending on this for years. And this is a strong fault, a stronghold in you. Think of it as a big castle wall. Um, and this wall with all these bricks and mortar, all that is a strong fault. You just know that this is the way it is because this is the way that you've been taught. This is the way that you have learned. Okay. Now there's only one way to cast down that stronghold and that is with the power of God. Hallelujah. That is with the power of the word of the Lord. He said again, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons that we, we, we will be using will pull down these strongholds. What now? Uh, let me give you some examples of um, these uh, strongholds that bind people. Now, notice something. These strongholds lock you in and lock other things out. It is a strong prison that we have created or allowed to create within our minds. Uh, within our hearts. Now, these are, this is one thing that the enemy has created. Remember, the Lord Jesus came to undo or destroy the works of the devil. One of the things the devil did was he allowed or he presented strongholds for man. Now, let me show you this. We can, we can go to the book of Genesis just for a moment. And uh, maybe we can write some things on this board over here. Let me show you the progression of some things here in the book of Genesis. Uh, we'll go to Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis 3. Turn this down just a little bit more, please. Genesis, the third chapter. Uh, now, Adam and Eve had the good life. We know that. And uh, the Lord walked with them every day. They didn't have a care, didn't have a desire. Everything was provided for them. There was no trouble until they received a thought received a word from the devil. And this thought or word, this notion, this idea, this opinion, uh, they heard it and they meditated on it 
and it produced something bad. How did the devil do it in the beginning? He did it with words. He came to Adam and Eve. And we can look at this in, very briefly in Genesis, the third chapter. Uh, verse number one says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat, uh, you shall not eat of every uh, tree of the, of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, uh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Here's an opposing thought. Here's an opposing thought. Here's what uh, Eve knows what God says. That's one voice. And she also has her voice. And then there's the enemy's voice. All right. The enemy, what the devil wants to do is throw an opposing word at the enemy. Uh, what the devil wants to do is, is throw an opposing word at God. Uh, he, wants to oppose his, he wants to oppose God's word in your life. He wants to give you another way. God says, okay, well, you ought to wait before you get married uh, to have sex. Don't have premarital sex. Uh, but, you know, man says, well, I want to do this anyway. I want to try this my way. You know, or or Lord says, well, I can give you peace. A man says, well, the enemy says, well, here's this drug or here's this and that. This will give you peace as well. Now, if you'll notice, and I want to bring this out, the enemy will only tempt you with something uh, that you really desire, that you really want. Adam and Eve, and we, we can go ahead and read it, but, you know, read it when you get home. But I read verse four. And the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, uh, rather ye shall not surely die, for God doeth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food. Now, notice the progression. She had, the tree was always there. She'd always seen the tree before. No big problem. But now the enemy uh, brought words to her, False notions. She heard those words, meditated on those words, and now she sees a benefit from eating from this tree. Where there was no benefit assigned before, now these words have created within her a desire for it. And she takes hold of it, and bad things happen. Are you with me? But she allowed the thoughts to come in. She had the word in her heart, had a word in her heart, but she allowed the enemy to question what was in her heart. The devil said, what did God say? She said it. But in actuality, um, what she said, she actually added a little bit to it. But you'll have to read further back if you want to to find out. But she added a little bit to it. God didn't say don't touch it. He just said don't eat it. Somebody added don't touch it. But God didn't say don't touch it. He said, don't eat it. So she took the word, but it was she added something. Either Adam added and told her or she added a little bit. But whatever it was, it was not the pure word in her heart. It was something added to it. And you can't stand on that. So when the enemy comes to cause you to, 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 to tempt you to compromise, if you don't have the pure word, you're not going to stand in the face of temptation. Now, what does that mean? Well, the enemy comes to tempt, 
come to tempt you and all you know is what grandmama said or, or what daddy said or what, uh, what mama said or what the preacher said. You don't know what is written from the book. You don't know. You haven't had an experience with God to know exactly what he said. So the enemy will find a loophole. Oh, you don't know what he said. You don't know. You really don't know the word of God as it applies in this area. I got you. Because now you don't have a you don't have anything to stand upon because you don't know. All you know is some hearsay. You've mixed some things up. And so he comes in and and uh, he does it. But um, but I just want to show you how there was no desire before. But now there is a desire. But why is there a desire? Because uh, why is there desire for desire for the forbidden fruit? Uh, because the enemy was able to latch hold on a natural desire that was in Eve's heart. Adam and Eve both wanted to be like God. They were created in the image and likeness of God. They both wanted to be something more than they were. That's good. It's a good thing that we want to please the Lord. It's a good thing that we want to be like him, that we want to be like Jesus, that we want to make decisions that Jesus would make. What would Jesus do? It is good. And that was what Adam and Eve had in their heart. They wanted to be like their father. So the enemy found out what that desire was. Let me make my little famous stick, man. He found out what the desire was in their heart and simply gave it to them and say, you can get this same thing just do it a different way. Eat this. He took a natural desire that was good. There's nothing wrong with this. But he perverted it and said, you can get it this way. Uh, same thing we can say with, uh, with lust or in all these other things. It is a good desire to procreate. That's <laughs> good. That's the only one way, you know, we're going to have children, babies. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. But the enemy can take that which would be a normal desire, and he can amp it up. So now we want it all the time. We got it on the brain. You understand what I'm saying to you? It's been amped up and amped up and amped up, and now it's uncontrollable. What was now normal has now become uncontrollable. And when it becomes uncontrollable when, in people, it mutates and turns into bad things, very bad things. Things that I do not want to mention that people do with one another. Hallelujah. But it mutates. Man has three basic, uh, three basic needs. Three basic needs. Three basic needs. You can make a note of it or what have you. One, he wants to be loved. Loved with no strings attached. Man is looking for love. Two... Mankind is looking for acceptance. They know that you accept me for who I am, just like I am. Nothing else added. That's what we're all looking for. Man, woman, boy, girl. We're looking for that. And the third thing we're looking for is to, uh, for the comfort of never, never being alone. We don't want to be left alone. Three basic needs that every person has on the face of this earth. Adam and Eve didn't have that because they were loved. They were accepted of God. They were never alone. But what did they have? They had a desire to be like God. 
But what caused this? What causes them? What causes man now to just want to be loved? Just want to be accepted or love with no strings attached? Just want to be accepted for who I am and never be alone? What what caused that? Well, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, these feelings came up. I want to be loved. Uh, I want to know that you accept me for who I am. Uh, I don't want to be left alone. And that's how man has been. But these are also three things that God says through Jesus Christ that I want to give to you. But the same thing the enemy says, oh, I see this. I see you want to be loved. I see you want to be accepted. I see you don't ever want to be left alone. I see this desire in you. I'll just give you another way to fulfill it. I'll just give you another way. But the Father, the Bible declares in the book of James as well, James, the first chapter, that God is the giver of all good and perfect gifts. Good and perfect gifts. And let, let's look at that. We're going to go ahead and get it. We're just, James is just busting out, cannot wait to get out. The book of James, that is. I want you to see this. Um, because it's so packed and so, so wonderful, just so wonderful. In verse 17, uh, James 1, 17, it says, uh, do not, well, 16 says, do not err, my beloved brethren, for every good, every good, I'm write down good, and that is good gift, good gift, and there's also a Perfect gift. It comes from God, from above. Good and perfect gifts come from God above, come from God above. They only come from God above. Good and perfect gifts only come from him. Good and perfect gifts. Now the word good in this context, context means uh, happy. It means happy or uh, also joyful. Joyful, happy, joyful. Now these are things, and the word gift here actually means, uh, it means giving. But this is something that is uh, temporal. It is uh, temporal or temporary. God can give you a, a temporary happiness or a temporary joy. That's what that's talking about. Now, what's the enemy's substitute for temporary happy or temporary joy? How about happy hour? How about the man on the corner saying, buy these couple of rocks? The enemy has a substitute. God said, I can give you a happy. I can give you a high. I can make you feel good because every good gift comes from God. God said, I can do that for you. you say, Lord, I just want to feel alive and, uh, you know, and I, only way I really feel alive is when I is is when I take these when I take these drugs or, or when I, you know, eat this this big old slice of German chocolate cake. I know I know I don't need to do it, you know, or or or, or whatever your flavor is. You know, I wanna feel I wanna feel people are saying, I just wanna feel something. Well, God's gift one of God, one of the things that the Lord gives is good and perfect. He'll make you feel that. He'll give you that, that ecstasy through his spirit. It comes from him. 
Now, perfect gifts, perfect, of course, means complete. Look it up in the Greek. It means complete. It means uh, wanting nothing. Wanting nothing. That is uh, uh, nothing. Nothing is missing from it. All right. It's it's complete. It's there. Give you a complete gift. Now, the word this is a different uh, word for gift. Uh, Different word for gift. Uh, These are two actually two separate words. Uh, But the word gift here means actually benefit or beneficiary or beneficial. Beneficial. It means beneficial. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Which means that this gift is lasting. God said, I can give you a temporary gift, make you feel good for the moment. And I can give you something that is lasting. Something that will last over a lifetime and even into eternity. He said, it all comes from me. Isn't that wonderful? I can give you something that is so complete, that is so lasting. It's for me. Whether you want a temporary high or something that lasts, it all comes from me, the Lord says. Now, he's saying all of this, all of this is in the book of James. Uh, James, the first chapter. This is the conclusion, really, of what uh, what the Lord is saying. Now, if we if we look at that, we can get a little bit of the conclusion. Then we'll go back up and get some spicy, spicy. There's some spicy meat here in James. I like the spicy. Anybody like the spicy? I'm the only one like the spicy. All right, so every good and perfect gift, they both come from the Lord. The temporary high comes from him and the lasting high. They both come from him. They both come from the Lord. Now, I want you to know something, too, about the, uh, the perfect gift. The perfect gift also is something that has no holes. We would say no holes and no aftertaste. The enemy's gift, he said, I'll give you a lasting gift, too, but there's something attached to it. I'll give you a high, too. But there's something always attached to it. There's always an aftertaste uh, when we partake of what the enemy has. God said, my stuff is smooth. It's good to the last drop. There's no aftertaste. There's no hangover. There's no uh, feelings of regret afterwards. That's all the aftertaste. Wish I hadn't done it. Aftertaste. God said, no, with me, there's none of that. Isn't that wonderful? Now, as the scripture concludes in, in verse number 21, I want you to see something. 21 contrasts with actually verse 15. Praise the Lord. It contrasts with verse 15. Now, 21 says, now let me read this to you uh, out of the King James, and I'll read to you out of the NIV, rather out of the uh, New Living Translation, because I just love the way it reads. It says, therefore, out of the, out of the King James, at the conclusion of this, therefore lay apart all filthiness and, slu- and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. All right. Out of the New Living Translation says, so get rid of all filth and, and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Now, notice what that says. Now, I want you to see a 
a progression because this actually goes all the way throughout of the word of the Lord. First part of it says, get rid of, get rid of the junk. Uh, we're going to say, we're gonna, um, rid of evil. Okay. Rid. Get rid of the evil. Right? Didn't it say that? Get rid of the, uh, the filth or the superfluity and all this. That's simply filth and evil in your lives. Get rid of it. Then it says, uh, humble yourselves. Humble uh, and, A-N-D, and receive the word. Humble yourselves and receive the word. Now, why would God say humble yourself? Because remember, we got this big old stronghold of thought, and we know that this is the right way to do it. Let me give you a good example of this. You may not like it, but it's true. Lord, I know how to run my own finances. I've been doing it all my life. I know what you said about tithe and offering, but. And let's get back into this. Humble yourselves and receive the word. It says the engrafted word. Now, engrafted, engrafted means uh, implanted, meaning you've already received it. It's already planted there. We're just ignoring it or being disobedient to it. You already know it. It's there. Every time we do a wrong action, it's the word. We, we see the word. We know. We know what God says. The word is just there. God says, hey, humble yourself. Humble yourself. In other words, bring yourself down and realize I know more than you do. Humble yourself. In other words, willingly submit. Humble is willingly submit to my wisdom, my knowledge, and my understanding. Willingly submit to my way, says the Lord. We've all made mistakes. Praise the Lord. And guess what? We're going to continue to make mistakes until the day we die, should Lord Jesus, you know, tarry. You with me? But God said, this is our position, to humbly receive the word that God put in us. That is, we say, Lord, you know more than, more than I do. And I want to, we can even say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. But I'm afraid. Why are you afraid to do it? Because of something that I know? Because of a thought that I have? Because I just know that if I don't do this, that's going to happen. I just know that if I kick Bobby out and, and tell him we can't live in sin like this, I just know what Bobby's going to do. Uh, I just know if, 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 I lose, if I leave my job, you know, I just know something's going to happen. So we're fighting against the knowledge of one thing to another. Are we getting anything out of this tonight? So God said, hey, lower yourself. Get off of your throne. Lower yourself. Let me sit on the throne. Humble yourself and realize that I'm in control. I'm the king. It's my way. Let me have my way in you. Humble yourself. Get off of the throne. Humble yourself. Get off of the throne. Humble yourself. Get off of the throne. Let the Lord be on the throne of your life. Let his word have first place. Humble yourself. Are you with me? So we can't do it because we're sitting on the throne. We're making all the decisions. We know what is right. Lord says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. And let me have control. And I tell you, your life will change. It'll be so much different. 
But so he says, get rid of all that stuff. Humble yourselves and receive the engrafted word. And the last thing, of course, is which will save, which will save your soul. Now, the only way possible to get rid of the stuff, you're going to have to do this first. You're going to have to humble yourself and give it to God. Once you humble yourself, then you'll be able to get rid of this stuff, get rid of the evil. You humble, actually, here, you humble yourself, and then you get to um, receive the engrafted word, then the engrafted word will start producing this uh, getting rid of the evil. Because unless you receive the word, you have nothing to fight against these other faults, these other fears. Fear comes as a result of faults, of words spoken to you, whether by a person or by a spirit. Oh, it's five o'clock, then at home. Oh, what happened? Accident. Oh, they're in an accident. Oh, 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 oh. I got a, the doctor told me to call him. I took a test and the doctor said, call him. Why didn't he send me a note in the mail? Why I got to call him? Oh, they got to tell me bad news. Oh, cancer, cancer. I've got cancer. Oh, oh, I wonder how many days I got to live. Oh, well. Well, maybe they want to tell you because you forgot to pay your bill. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We can run with the stuff. So unless there is an engrafted word, a word that we've been meditating on, the word of God, we don't have power to get rid of all this other mess. Receive, humble yourself. Let God have the throne. Let God have the throne. Submit to what he says. Remember the word of God says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. A lot of us may be willing I'm willing to do it, Lord, but we're not so obedient. Then some on the other side are, Lord, all right, I'll do it. But you're not willing. God said, I want them both. I want you willing and obedient. Then you need to give the land. Amen? All right, in the last few moments here, I really, 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 really want to get to the first, uh, second Corinthians. Can y'all give me just a minute? Let me give you the rest of this. I'm not going to give you the rest of it, but just this last closing bit. Go back to 2 Corinthians 10. We'll close out with this. This is wonderful. So verse number four talks about uh, our weapons are mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, Strongholds, of course, are things that we've relied on. Strongholds also means arguments and reasonings by which a despondent endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend itself, uh, defend itself against his opponent. Here again, strongholds are your reasonings, the way you think. The way you think about the matter, your, uh, your argument as to why you need to stay on the throne of your life because you know better about your marriage, you know better about you, you know better about your money, you know better about this and that and the other, you know better, you know better, so we keep the throne occupied by ourselves. I know better, Lord. So we sit here. So these are strongholds. The only way to cast them down are by the word of God. Hear what the Lord says, but we have to humble ourselves. Verse 5 says, casting down imaginations. Now the word imagination in the Greek means a, also means a reckoning or a computation. You know, you're like a computer, computing, computation, reckoning. It says casting down your reckonings. You have to cast them down. It says in every high thing, a high thing, 
is an idol or, or a golden calf or something that society holds up to be true and correct. Well, they do it on TV. They do it on my shows. James Bond do it, so why can't I do it? Halle Berry do it, Beyonce shake hers, why can't I shake mine? She wear a low skirt or a high skirt, why can't I do mine? Casting down every high thing, that's a high thought. Listen, look, look and see what it does, and we got to close out. It says, and uh, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that does what? That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The word exalt means, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's trying to be so loud, trying to bring itself up against what God says. I know better, I know better, look at me, look at me. Everybody else is doing it, why don't you do it? All this information is trying to exalt itself above what God said. Now all this is happening, by the way, in your mind. In you, in your heart, as we try to determine who am I going to go with? Am I going to go with the world's, world's thinking? <clears throat> am I going to go with God's thinking? <clears throat> it's kind of like the two, the angel and the devil sitting on a man's shoulders. What should I do? Well, you know you want to ask her out. <laughs> but, the good side, but she is married. Oh, hmm, what you going to do? As the warring takes place between your ears. Maybe we should call it the war between the ears. Now listen, it says, casting down imaginations in every high thing that is an idol or, or um, golden calf or anything that society holds up to be true. This is anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, there it is again, every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is, you're going to have to control what you think. Your mind is under your control. Now, just like the farmer said, he can't, you can't stop uh, what birds, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest in your head. Right? There are so many thoughts and so many words that are going back and forth in society today. So many ads, so many television commercials. So many billboards, so much is out there exalting itself against, going straight against what God said. So much is out there now. Well, we've got to take authority over that, and we have to determine what will be on our mind. Because what you allow to stay on your mind will determine the course of your life. What you allow to stay on your mind will determine the course of your life. So we'll ask the question, what's on your mind? I pray you receive the word of God tonight. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by way of CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you.
And he does not want distance to be between you. So, would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned and I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God and that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master, my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org.